there's a sense of urgency and suspense that you feel as you you know that the end is is getting close whether you're you're watching a football game and and you're just right on that line of of which team is going to win whether it's your team or whether you're a president watching your special forces close in on the tunnel where Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is waiting just to see what's going to happen and that is exactly what we um, see what experience when we read through uh, this next chapter in Daniel, Daniel chapter five. You know, there's there's no kind of warm up. There's there's no kind of introduction. It's just bang into the into the action, uh, waiting to see what is going to happen. What is going to happen as we head towards the the end. But at the same time, just as we have this kind of urgency and suspense. There's also another contrast, and that is that there's a severe state of denial. Here we have, as we just dive into the chapter, King Belshazzar, right up front, um, is uh, it's just heading into this, this realm where, where the end is near. But what is King Belshazzar doing? King Belshazzar is, is calling a party calling a great feast, as, as the Bible says, for thousands of his lords and drinking wine in front of the thousand. And that thousand is, is very significant. Numbers are very significant in the, in the book of Daniel. The number four, the, the, uh, the, the other numbers that we find in this book, and, and a thousand is really significant. The number 10, as you may remember back in Daniel chapter one as, as well. The thousand represents this concept that uh, King Belshazzar is is telling his whole uh, political realm, let's let's party, let's celebrate, let's just enjoy ourselves in the face of what's coming next. A thousand. Just imagine if you are a part of a of a party of a thousand. That's that's a huge party, and and these weren't just just ordinary people. These were lords. The, these were the, the political leaders of that time. Belshazzar is calling his empire to party in the face, face of the end. And it's very interesting, the significance of what happens at this party. First of all, it tells us that Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, or, or another way of interpreting that is when he was influenced by wine, alcohol was was influencing the way he thought. But it wasn't just alcohol. Belshazzar chose to drink that alcohol. He chose to be influenced by it. And what he did is he he then commanded that the vessels of gold, the the cups, the vases, the, the dishes, the golden vessels that Nebuchadnezzar, his predecessor, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, the house of God in Jerusalem, and, and brought and placed in, um, in Babylon. Why was that significant? Well, of course, Nebuchadnezzar did that to, to signify that he was the one in control. He was the one who had conquered the, uh, the land of Israel. He brought those golden vessels. And why did Belshazzar want to drink from them? He wanted to say, I'm going one step further than Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going one step further. I'm, I'm not just taking these as significant that I've that, that Nebuchadnezzar has conquered the land of, 
of Israel. He is saying that I'm going to drink from them. I'm going to mock them. I'm going to, I'm going to um, completely trash this, these significant sacred items, these sacred items. Belshazzar wanted to run roughshod over what um, God had set up as sacred and significant back in the land of Israel. But not only that, not only that, it says that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink out of them. Now, of course, you know, for us, we, we recognize kings. They have, they have lords, they have wives, they have concubines. There's, there's nothing that seems significant about this until you stop and think about that period of time. This was Middle Eastern. This was, this was the, um, the time of, of where, where men and women would actually eat in separate quarters. Think of the, the story of Esther soon to follow after this. When, when Ahasuerus Xerxes ha, um, had a feast for, for his lords, it was the men who were, were eating together. Where was Vashti? She was having her own party. But here Belshazzar brings uh, his lords, his wives, and his concubines all under the influence of, of alcohol. This, this was an idolatrous, this was an immoral, this was uh, shaking his fist at the, at the significance of God. I, I reject your morality. I put asunder the, the, the things that you see as sacred, which is important, significant. It was this mixing, blending of, of what God had said. No, these things are separate. These things need to be um, taken as, as significant. And, and so what happened was this, is that in the face of this, this incredible feasting, this denial, this, this arrogance, this defiance, what we have is, is the story goes on with this immediacy, this, this sense of urgency. Suddenly, suddenly there's this disembodied hand appearing and writing up on the wall. Now, of course, you know, um, being, being under the influence of alcohol, being under the, um, the uh, with all of the partying, the frivolity, the, the, the jokes, the, the lack of inhibitions, that, that would have occurred. You might imagine that in the dark place, they would never notice this handwriting up on the wall. But the Bible says it was very clear. It says it opposite the lampstand, opposite the lampstand, right in the spotlight, there's this disembodied hand that starts writing up. You know, it has the, it has the sort of um, connotations of, of Shakespeare, sort of Macbeth or Hamlet, or, or Dickens kind of, this, this eerie, this, this in, um, disembodied kind of writing that occurs. And, and the, in the midst of this party, the music stops, the frivolity stops, and, and suddenly the king is, is, is frightened. He's alarmed. Why? Because he was, was trying to be defiant in the face of of what he, in deep down in his heart, knew was judgment was coming. He knew it, and so this disembodied hand writing these these letters up on the up on the wall was his greatest fear. It was his greatest 
concern. This is what he did not want to happen. And, and it's just um, amazing how the Bible describes it. His color changed. He, he became white as a sheet. And, and, and anxious thoughts just raced through his head. What does it mean? His limbs gave way. His, his knees knocked together. He was a, he was a blubbering mess. And, and of course, he wanted to know what do these mean. And so he starts yelling and screaming, come to his wise men, to the, the enchanters, the Chaldeans. Come, tell me what it means. It, it reminds us of, of Nebuchadnezzar in, in uh, Daniel chapter 2, calling for his wise men, wanting to know what it means. But there's a sense of urgency. There, there's, there's no kind of build up in the story that happens here. It's just, it's just straight into the reward. Whoever reads this writing and shows me this interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck. Shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. But like previous stories, the wise men of Babylon cannot interpret what is happening in, the, in, in this, this, um, this writing up on the wall. And, and for those of for us, you know, the, the scholars who understand what was happening, Scholars can point to the fact that this was an incredibly difficult riddle, riddle to, to solve, exactly like what we have in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, we have the, the wise men trying to interpret a dream they don't know anything about. Don't know anything about. And in the same way here, it's, it's a challenging, challenging riddle. These are, these are letters, but not just any letters. It's consonants without the vowels. It's just a string of consonants. Um, and they have to try and solve this riddle. What does it mean? They need to try and put the vowels in. They need to try and work out what it means. And, and for those of them who could kind of see where it was going, it sounds strange because what it, it sounds like, it's, it's, a, it's weights, weights from the marketplace. It's like these, these fishmongers or these vegetable sellers yelling out these weights. Um, of, of fish and, and trying to get people to buy it. And, and they go, what does it mean? You know, here we are in the palace. We're in the great feast. It sounds like we're in a marketplace selling something off. Something is going to be sold. You know, in this feast, there were two people who were not invited to that feast. Very interesting. The queen mother the, the wife of Nebuchadnezzar, the person respected in the whole empire, she wasn't there. And it's good reason. I mean, would you invite your mother when, when you were a teenager? Uh, would you invite your mother to, to the party? Of course you wouldn't because you want to have the teenagers want to have that freedom. And of course, uh, Belshazzar was not a teenager, but he did not want to have the responsible eye of the queen mother there. And there's another person that wasn't there as well. And that was Daniel. Daniel has not been heard of for quite a while. Daniel has been hidden. And there's a reason for this. Because Belshazzar does not want Daniel to be there prominent in his kingdom. And the queen mother hears the, the, the chaos the the um, the disorder, the the um, fear that's coming out from the palace, and she just marches in. Now, not anybody can march into the palace. You know, 
um, for most people, as we would read later um, in, well, what happened later in the story of Esther, only people who were permitted by the king could come into to the palace. Uh, otherwise, it was, was potentially a death uh, penalty for that person. But the queen mother just marches in to this uh, palace, to the banqueting hall, as the Bible says, and just starts straight into, walks up to the king, a blubbering mess, and says, O king, live forever. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, there is a person here who can help you in your situation. And then she starts to list his his CV, his, his resume. There's a man in your kingdom whom the spirit of the holy gods is within him. There's light and understanding, the wisdom of the gods. And, and she starts to remind him of King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar made this man, this person, Daniel, he made him chief of all your wise men, the, the person that you should have been looking to, the person that the wise men should have been inviting to this, to interpret this message. You've forgotten about, you've put aside, but invite him in. Why? Because he he has an excellent spirit in him. He, he has knowledge and understanding and he can interpret uh, dreams and riddles. He can, he can solve problems. Daniel. And then she refers to him. She reminds him of his Babylonian name, Belteshazzar. A slight variation, Belteshazzar. Let him be called. Call Daniel. Call Daniel and he will tell you the interpretation that you can know what this message means. And then the Bible says, and then Daniel was brought in before the king. Belteshazzar standing face to face with Belshazzar. You know, it was an incredible meeting, incredible meeting, because Belshazzar did not want to meet Belteshazzar. He did not want him to be there. He'd specifically not sent him the invitation. And there's a significant contrast between Belteshazzar and Belshazzar. Remember that when, when um, Belteshazzar, when Daniel was brought to Babylon, what did he do? He was brought into the palace and was offered meat, food offered to idols. He was offered wine from the king's table, and yet he refused so that he could have a clear mind to understand the mysteries and the, the, the message of God for his time. And yet Belshazzar here, straight off, the, the, um, the first time we, we kind of meet him in this story, is in the palace inviting a thousand people to, to drink with, with him, to be influenced by wine. Daniel led his four friends not to be influenced by, by wine and by meat offered to the idols. He, he was the person that, that led um, uh, people to, to understand the message that God had from him. Whereas Belshazzar was leading a thousand people to, to, be, to, to um, mock the God of heaven, to, to drink to the gods of gold, silver, uh, bronze, iron, uh, wood, and stone. Daniel was the person who could understand what that meant in the image. You know, Daniel was a person of understanding 
who had a relationship with God. Belshazzar mocked God. Here was two men, two men with who contrasted spiritually, standing face, face to face in front of each other. You know, it's interesting that um, you, you might wonder, you know, Queen Mother had to tell Belshazzar all about this man, Daniel, that he had the spirit of the holy gods, that he, he had understanding, that he could solve problems and riddles. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, perhaps Belshazzar never heard of him. Perhaps he'd for, forgotten or, or he was kind of, you know, locked away in a small corner of the, the kingdom and, and didn't know about this Daniel. But right at the beginning, Belshazzar said, you are that Daniel one of the exiles of Judah, who the king my father brought from Judah. How did Belshazzar know where Daniel had come from? How did he know? Because he did know about Daniel. He knew the story. He knew the story about what had happened with with Daniel. And yet even in in this acknowledgement of the fact that he knew Daniel, there is still this incredible put down. You're one of the exiles of, of Judah. You are one of the people that the king, my father, brought from Judah. You're the one we have. You're one of the people we conquered. Your people has been conquered by us. And yet he goes on. And he also, when he says, when he, even when he acknowledged, he said, I've heard that the spirit of God's in you. Queen Mother had said, the spirit of the holy gods is in this um, man, Daniel. And yet Belshazzar, the person who could not discern the sacred from the profane, the, the, the holy from the unholy. When he looks at Daniel, he simply said, the spirit of the gods is, is in you. He could not discern the, the holiness of the spirit within, within Daniel. And all he sees in Daniel, he sees him from a secular point of view. That there is simply the ability of Daniel to, to, um, to explain these riddles and to interpret it. And that's why he, he acknowledges these wise men that have not been able to interpret all of this, this, um, this message, but I can give you the rewards that are offered them. I have heard that you can interpret them. And I offer you that, that collar of gold, that, that robe of purple and the, the place of the uh, third ruler in the kingdom. Now, uh, he was offering him uh, the, the position that he could offer him. Nabonidus, his, his father, was elsewhere. Um, so he, Nabonidus was the first ruler of the kingdom. Uh, Belshazzar was his vice regent, number two. He was offering him the next position in the kingdom and just to get that interpretation. But you know, it's interesting when, when Daniel responds to him, there's no, there's no um, salutations and fancy words. No, oh, king, live forever. Daniel dives into it. Why? Because he knows the end is near. He just dives straight into it and he says, keep your gifts. Don't give your gifts to me. They're, they're irrelevant. I do not need to be bought and sold in this position. Uh, but he says, I will still give you the interpretation. Then he goes through it. He, he heads into uh, the, the mode of being an Old Testament prophet 
straight away rebu rebuking the king. Why? Why does, does he not fear the king? Does he not recognize that the king has the power to, to take his life? No, because he knows that the time is near. This is no time for fancy words. This is no time for um, fluffing around, as we might say. He goes straight to the point and he, he reminds him of the great story that, that, that Belshazzar should and did remember reminded him of the king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your predecessor, your, your grandfather. He tells him that story of, of his greatness, how these, these empires have been conquered by him, how he had built up this massive empire. And yet Belshazzar was taking the empire down to, down to ruin. He reminds him of, of the incredible greatness he, he says, you know, whoever um, he wanted, he would kill. Whoever he wanted to keep alive, he'd keep alive. Who he'd raise up, he'd raise up. He humbled, he would humble. That language is the language of God in the Old Testament. God can, can take the life. God can give life. God can raise up. God can humble. Belshazzar had been given his authority by God himself by God himself. You know, and that's exactly what Daniel reminded Belshazzar. You know, when, when a person does not re, um, recognize, does not acknowledge that what they have has been given from God, then the, the, the very authority, the very gifts, the very spiritual abilities that we have turns, turns against us, be, becomes a... Um, uh, our trap rather than 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 a than a blessing and that's exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar he became proud he became proud because he did not recognize his the position that he had and as he became proud that that he had built up this great um, uh, Babylon God needed to to bring him to to a true understanding of who he really was he um, his glory was taken away. His, he, he headed out into the fields uh, like a beast and he, he dwelt there like a wild donkey. He ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. And the only thing that changed that situation was when he acknowledged God of heaven, the God who'd given him life, his authority, his empire, his rulership. You know, this was the story that Belshazzar wanted to forget. This was the story that Belshazzar was saying, no, the humility of my, my grandfather, this will not happen to me. I, I defy the God of heaven who humbled my grandfather. This, this legendary story. And, and he was calling his empire, let's challenge God. Let's, let's defy God. It's amazing when Daniel talks about what Belshazzar has done, the party that, that he has um, called, the lords, the wives, the concubines, the way that they praise the gods. He does a fascinating reversal. You praise the gods of silver and gold. That's not the right order. It should be gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood and stone. Daniel knew it. Belshazzar knew it as well. Daniel switched the, 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 the metals. Why? 
He was saying to him, the Medes and the Persians have now risen to the top. Your, your empire is falling. It is coming down through the ranks. It is collapsing. And then he says, you know, all of those gods, the silver and the gold, the bronze, the iron, they do not see, they do not hear, they cannot interpret riddles. But the fact is this, the God whom you have been defying, the God that you have been shaking your fist at, he has your life in his hand. In his hand, everything that you have is in the hand of this God. And tonight, that hand has been writing the verdict of your life on the wall. You know, the fact is this, is that other messages uh, in the book of Daniel came in other ways. They came in visions. They came, they came in, um, you know, direct messages from God. But the message tonight for Belshazzar was written by the hand of God on the wall. Putting it in writing, it is final. It is final. And uh, then, as Daniel had promised, he said, without any, without any concern, without any um, difficulty, Daniel interpreted the message. Incredible, incredible uh, message. He said, Mene, Mene, Tickle Parson. Mene, Mene, Tickle Parson. And this, to, to the lords, to the, to the king, this was their cries of the people in the marketplace. It was, it was like a, a fishmonger at the end of the day saying, for sale, for sale. They're, uh, 25% off the fish before we go down. 25% off the, the weight. I need to sell it. And then just a, a little while later, it's 50% off. 50% off. These fish must go. 90% off. When as the, the king and the, the lords heard this, it was a message of our empire is for sale. Everything is going to be liquidated. Everything that we have, have held in, in great esteem value is now on sale. The Babylonians had this terrible feeling. This is going on sale. And of course, the interpretation for, for Belshazzar was this. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and is bringing it to end. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. You know, the writing is on the wall for the Babylonians. You know, it's, it's incredible in the Bible. Immediately, Belshazzar gives the command and Daniel has the rewards. Purple, a uh, garment of purple, a, a collar of gold. And he's given the, the third position in the kingdom. Not much value anymore, if you ask me. It's only a few more minutes before this empire is going to collapse. Why did Belshazzar give the rewards to Daniel? Was it a message that he valued? Was it a message which he wanted to hear? No, he gave the rewards to Daniel because Daniel had interpreted the message. He'd done what Belshazzar had asked. It was a, it was a, um, a response of, of, of a contract. You have given this. The fascinating thing is that Belshazzar never confesses his sin, never humbles himself like his predecessor. When he could have, he simply does his contractual duty and 
that is it. You know, the end comes like a flood. Belshazzar is assassinated and Darius Mede becomes king. The great Babylonian empire is history. It's over. All because of the pride, arrogance and denial of its final king, Belshazzar. The great empire is over. You know, the question for us today is this. Are you going to learn the lessons of the past? Or are you going to party, party on, even as the writing is written on the wall? My prayer for you is that the spirit of the holy God may fill your life. You may be able to, to read the signs of the time before the writing is in the wall. God bless you.